Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. So I know you don't know this about me, but let me just kind of clue you in. I have a ton of experience with horses. In fact, I just need to tell you, I know it isn't obvious, but I need you to understand that standing before you today, holding the microphone is an equine expert. I know everything there is to know about horses. Uh, now, to be honest, I've only ridden a horse about three or four times in my life. But um, the reason I'm an expert is because when I was a teenager, uh, in fact, before I even became a teenager, uh, there in Anadarko, Oklahoma, we had a public library, and I went to the library on a regular basis, and I have read every series in the, the Black Stallion series, I've read the Island Stallion series, I've read the Red Stallion series, I've read Black Beauty, Black Velvet, National Velvet, I read every book I could find on horses. My library card was absolutely consumed with accounts about horses. And then when I got to high school, it was when my real expert level just shot off the chart because I found Louis L'Amour. And I have read just about every book that Louis L'Amour has ever written. I'm telling you. And then when you couple that with the countless John Wayne movies, and, 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 and then, uh, of course, the Gary Cooper movies and the James Stewart movies and, and, and then Clint Eastwood movies and Audie Murphy movies, then I can assert you, I can assert this fact because I've watched countless episodes of Gunsmoke and The Rifleman and, the, and Bonanza and Wagon Train. I'm telling you right now, I am verifiably a rootin', tootin' cowboy with so much experience in horse flesh. I can, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And if that's not enough, I slept at a Holiday Inn last night. Y'all don't get that? Okay, is that, that, that just go, okay, because that makes you an expert in anything I didn't actually, but, but, but okay. Uh, what I can tell you from all these books and shows is that I learned some things. I learned that you discover very quickly that although a wild horse may be the fastest horse, that does not mean that it is the most productive horse. Uh, in fact, the, the wild horse was really undesirable any, to anyone that wanted to get stuff done because cowboys were looking for reliable and consistent means of transportation and work. And although a wild horse made for a flashy ride in the rodeo, nobody really wanted the wild horse on the range or on the ranch because their livelihood and their safety and their health 
was tied up in having a good horse that you could count on and trust. Y'all want to do a Western day during this series? I got people wanting to wear cowboy hats and cowboy boots. I think you ought to do it. All right. I just, I release you in the name of Jesus to go buy some boots and cowboy hats if you don't have any because you're not really in Oklahoma. I must not be in Oklahoma because I got rid of all mine. All right. So anyway, but I've noticed there's a, a parallel between uh, horses and our money. What, what, what I've discovered is that uh, for the most part, most of us want our finances to be consistent and stable and reliable, but it seems that most of our money is anything but uh, anything less than wild. In fact, most of us, our buck is wild. That's another way to say it. It's out of control. Our money is the cause of stress and anxiety and worry and distress and sleepless nights. All you got to do is you just got to go to Google and what you discover is you find some interesting things about money and stress. I just want to read just, just kind of to show you what it's like. I just stumbled across some stuff I think is interesting that shows us just how crazy our money is in America right now. The APA's latest stress in America survey found that 72% of Americans reported feeling stressed about money at least sometime in the prior month. 72% of us. Um, new data from Northwestern's, uh, Northwestern Mutual's 2018 planning and progress study found that money is the number one cause of stress among, among Americans. Uh, according to 44% of those that responded, money is more of a problem than personal relationships or work. It's right there at the top. We're stressing out because, here, this blows my mind, it was recently discovered in a survey that 80% of Americans said they have debt and more than 45% of those that have debt said they have debt over $10,000. 45%, almost half of us have over $10,000 in debt. That'll keep you up at night. And then if you happen to fall in the 5% that responded that said they had over $250,000 of debt, how many of you know they're not sleeping well at night? There's anxiety. And then just as another example of how out of control and buck wild our finances are, I recently saw that the average American, that's us, in 2019 spent on average $86.27 on Halloween candy. That sounds hilarious until you do the rest of the math and what you discovered is that that means that $8.8 billion was spent in 2019 on Halloween candy alone. Alone. On average, Americans spend $1,200, some of us are way above average, $1,200 annually on fast food. $1,200. Now, let me just explain to you that, that that means then that Americans spend on average $50 billion a year on fast food. Do you understand that what that means is if we could get a handle on that, that world hunger would stop for three years with that amount of money? <laughs> Our buck is wild. It's out of control. I started to do the amount that we spend on average in pet food. And then I knew some of y'all got some pets and they eat better than you do. So I didn't do that one. Uh, but can I assert this fact to you this morning that wild does not mean evil. 
Wild does not mean evil. The truth is there's nothing evil about money. In fact, scripture makes it very clear and we often misquote it when we say that, the, that, the love of the, we say that money is the root of all evil, but that's not what the word says. We manipulate the scripture. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So, so money isn't evil. But may I also tell you this morning the truth that just because it's not evil does not also mean that it's not powerful. Because money is extremely powerful. In fact, Jesus weighs in on uh, this, this issue of finance. In fact, I, I don't have time to deal with this. I just want to let you know. You can go look it up for yourself. Jesus talked more about finances than anything else. I don't know why. And in an environment like this, we don't like it when preachers talk about money. Yes, I do know why. Because it's so often abused. That's not what we're trying to do here. I'm not trying to get something from you. We're wanting to get something to you during this season. And we want you to have freedom. So I get the, I get the nervousness and the anxiety. But we follow Jesus. And Jesus recognized the power of money and he recognized that it was essential in our life and so he talked about it a lot. Listen to what he says. See if you don't identify the power of money. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, he says, you cannot be the slave of two masters. You will like one more than the other or be more loyal to one than the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Another version in uh, the Living Translation, it says you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. There's power indicated there. In the King James, we learned it like this. You cannot serve both God and mammon. That word mammon there, we're going to come back to in just a moment, but it means riches or wealth. But it carries, uh, also means treasure, but, but there, it carries even more than that. And we're going to talk about that just briefly. Uh, so Jesus makes this statement about money being powerful. That there are two, month, two masters there. And he says it right after, he, I know I'm reading them backwards, but bear with me just a moment. He says it right after he says this. Listen to what he says right preceding this. He says, don't store up your, don't store up treasures on heaven or on earth. Excuse me. Don't store up treasures on earth. Moths and rust can destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy them, and thieves cannot break in and steal them. Listen to what he says. Your heart will always be where your treasure is, and that's the crux of the issue that I want to look at today. I think an interesting parallel, again, between horses and money is that order, in order for a horse to be useful and productive, that horse must be tamed. Now, if you're an equine expert like me, you also recognize that we call this breaking the horse, right? Okay, come on, Ponderosa fans, where are you at? Uh, you got to break the horse. Breaking a horse prepares the horse to be ridden or harnessed. And the same is true for our money. And I want you to hear me this morning. If you don't break your money, it will leave you broke. See, what we recognize, you, you, listen, I just read you the stats. So even if you don't believe scripture, you can believe those stats. Or maybe you don't believe the stats, but at least believe scripture. That we, we have to come to this understanding that this concept of our money, this, this powerful entity called finances, if we don't break it, it will break us. It will leave us broke. If, if you don't get a handle on your finances, it will leave you physically broken. It will, leave you, it will leave you emotionally broken. That's why we're stressing out. But Jesus comes into the fray and he makes it very clear to us that the worst 
implication is this. When you don't break your finances, it can leave you broken spiritually. Spiritually. So the implication from Jesus' statement is this, is that there's a war going on inside of us for control. Either God or money can become a master or have control, but this is not a both and scenario. It's an either or. So we can break it down very bluntly according to what, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. This is not what Pastor C said. I, I'm, I'm not uh, a financial expert by any means of the, the, the stretch of the imagination. But let me just explain to you what Jesus just said. He just said that either money will be your master or God will be your master. That's it. It's either or. There's this war going on inside of us where something is fighting for control. And Jesus tells us this, where your treasure is, your heart will be. So if your heart is wrapped up in the natural things that we call money, financial stuff, then at the same time, our heart is wrapped up in that. It's a control issue. Paul weighs in, uh, but before I mention Paul, let me just say this. Jesus is literally saying this. You have to make a choice. There has to be a winner. You have to make a choice. Who's going to control my life? So Paul comes in in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 and 2, he says this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God to set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So Jesus purposely, I believe, uh, uses an Aramaic word which is translated mammon. And I can't stay here long but we need to understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus chooses the word that we get our understanding of money, riches, and treasure, and he assigns to it this word mammon. Mammon was a Syrian god that was put into place in Babylon. And the concept was this, the idea that the Syrian god mammon carried with it was you don't need God. It was this God of self-sufficiency. Jesus was saying that money is literally trying to convince us that we don't need God anymore. There is a spirit attached to it. It's not evil. The, the money in itself is not evil, but there is a spirit attached to money. Don't look at me weird. We're Pentecostal. We believe that there's a supernatural realm and a natural realm, and they intersect, and, and they work with one another. And Jesus is literally saying that attached to finances, if you're not careful, there's this concept of you don't need God anymore. This is not a money issue, y'all. This is a mastery issue. And I submit to you that the reason that our buck is wild is that most of us have allowed Jesus to be the master of most of the areas of our lives. Yet when it comes to our finances, what we've discovered is that our finances and our money and our houses and our cars and our stuff literally is in this contest with Jesus and is trying to push Jesus off the throne of our life. And it fights taming because 
when it's wild, it will turn our hearts. Get that again. Our finances, our resources fight taming because then when it fights the taming, it results in turning. So in other words, if we don't tame our money, then it will turn our heart. And I want you to hear me today. You cannot claim submission to Jesus until you tame your money. I knew I wouldn't get any help. I knew I wouldn't get any help because we get get antsy right here. But I'm telling you that you cannot claim that Jesus, uh, you're my Lord, you're my master, you control it all if he doesn't. You cannot claim Jesus is master or Lord if he only sits on the throne in some areas of your life. We, We talk about, when it comes to salvation, we talk about that there's this battle for our soul. But you also need to understand that it goes beyond just our soul. There is a battle for control. This is literally a war that for control. It comes down to this. Who's in charge? I want to go back and think about what Jesus says, and he makes this statement. Do you, but before, I, before I remind you of what he said, can, can I get you to agree with me on some other stuff that you believe what Jesus said about heaven? Anybody? Okay, three of you. Anybody believe what Jesus said about hell? Okay, six of you. All right. Anybody believe about what Jesus said about what would take place when he dies on the cross, what that would provide for us? Okay, I'm getting better. All right. Believe what Jesus said about the power of forgiveness. If we forgive one another, we have a better... Okay, yeah, okay, two of you because some of y'all mad at some folks today. Okay, uh, so, so we believe what he said about all this other stuff then why can't we believe what he says about money? Okay, so I, I just wanted to get that clear before we talk about what he said for just a moment because I want to remind you of what he says. He says this. He says, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot. That's pretty emphatic. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought there were some exceptions. Like, surely he left some wiggle room. There's certain people that can handle it and certain people that can't. There's there's this guy I know, and he's serving both, and he's pulling it off. There's this gal I know, and she's pulling it off. No, Jesus makes it clear. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot serve God and money. And then he goes on and he says, if you try, it will turn your heart. And you will love one and despise the other. Your loyalty will be swayed to one. And you will despise the other. Can you see the conflict that's taking place here? There's this, there's this warfare going on inside of us that, that, that money rises up against the control and the authority of God in our life. And, and we think we can handle it both, but we can't because they're duking it out. That's a good cowboy term. They're duking it out. There's a range war going on, y'all, inside of us. And Jesus makes it clear that if we're not careful, we become loyal to it and then we despise God because money makes these false promises. This is the the diabolical side of, for some of you churchy folks, the prosperity message. 
which is wrong. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I, I don't believe in name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. I pay, if I pay a certain level of tithes, then God is obligated to pull a Mercedes up into my driveway. I just don't believe all that because if, if, that, if that was true, then we become, our heart turns to stuff and then if God doesn't live up to our expectations because our heart turned according to what Jesus said, then we despise God. You didn't do what you said you were going to do. Well, problem there, he didn't say he would do that. Some preacher on TV told you he would do that. And you believed him because it makes you excited because I'm going to get the stuff because your, your buck is wild. And we're all looking for get-rich-quick schemes and you thought that Jesus was the lottery. Our heart becomes turned. It be, our money, our stuff becomes, we don't use this term much in America anymore except about singers. It becomes an idol. I, by the way, I know this show makes it nice to be an idol, but idols are not great. You'd say, well, I don't have any statues in my house. I ain't got no idols. I don't go out and worship that stuff. Really? Come on now, some of y'all got some stuff you can't even afford right now because you're worshiping it. Okay. This is a trust test. I'm going to help you next week. I'm just trying to challenge you this week. So come back because I, I, I don't want to be one of these preachers that throws down the gauntlet to you and then doesn't try to help you. I'm going to try to help you next week. But for right now, let me just try to rattle you a little bit. This is a trust test, y'all. Our money tries to steal our trust. It makes promises. Remember, it's mammon, this concept of this Syrian God that says you don't need God. We, we insert this idol, our finances, our stuff, and it tries to turn our hearts away from God so that now my everything about me is wrapped up in my house, in my car, in my bank account, in my 401k, and it becomes trust. I don't need God. I trust my stuff. And then it makes promises. It's an idol. It makes promises. It promises us that if we can get all this stuff, it's the American dream. If I can get all this stuff, if I can get the little white house, the picket fence, the three nine, whatever, if I can get all that, then I will be satisfied. The only problem is, is when you get all the stuff, it never satisfies. Because once you get all the stuff, how many of you know you need more stuff? Yeah, I may have plenty of clothes that I don't ever have to wear the same set of clothes any two days in a row or even two weeks in a in control, but I still, I, in, in a row, I still need to go shopping because I need some more. Have you seen the stuff? And we're convinced that it will satisfy. It never satisfies because it's a lie. It's trying to get us to put our trust in that. But how many of you know only God satisfies? Our soul is only complete in him. Well, not only does it promise satisfaction, it promises significance. If I can get the right car, not just a car, I need the right car. I, I, I know that a car would get me from point A to B, but I need the right car because then it would get me from A to B and everybody would notice. And so I need the right car, and I don't just need a house, I need the house. I, I know it's just me and maybe one other person, but we need the 19-room house on 22 acres with a ballroom that will dance 500 people because I need the house so that people will think that I am somebody. I'm not against nice houses and nice cars. 
I'm just telling you that your significance cannot come from your stuff. Your significance is only found in Jesus. Security. Acceptance. Do I need it? Okay, you got it. In order to serve God, then you must break or tame your money. Here's another way to say this, and then I'll get out of your way. We need to make your money mind. Make your money mind. What does that mean? It means that we take authority over it, and we master it, and we put it in its place. Jesus never said that money wasn't necessary. Never. It is. In this system that we're living in, money is essential. You've got to have it. Just one of you need it? I thought we all needed it, right? Don't we all need money? Okay. It's essential, but it isn't our master. It doesn't have the final word. So in other words, I thought, how do you say that? Well, I'm going to say it like this. The buck has to stop being the place that the buck stops. Can I say that one more time? Because I know that's a mouthful. It's the tongue twister. The, the, the buck has to stop being the place that the buck stops. Because it doesn't stop there. It's not the final word. Money is not the final word. It's crucial, but it isn't in control. We have to have a higher authority ruling and reigning over our life. And so before we talk about God's method of helping us train our money, which will be next word, uh, next week, and before we start talking and using the G words, because some of y'all are already nervous because you think you know the G word, uh, you think it's give because all preachers are going to stand up and tell you to give. We're going to talk about some different G words. All right? And so, so before we do that, we must first wrestle with the mastery question. We must tame our money. We must establish authority over our money, which has a spirit of control attached to it. If we don't tame it, then we will never be able to train our money because if you don't tame it, every time you start trying to train it, it will rise up in rebellion and it will resist. And so we must come to this place where we break this spirit and we make sure that we establish Jesus as Lord over our everything. Like we sing, but we got to mean it. In fact, can I tell you this morning, Here, I need you to hear me. You don't win or lose this battle at the ATM. This battle over our finances and our stuff is not won at the ATM. It's won at an altar. It's one in that place that Abraham came to. Where you take the thing you love the most and you march it up the mountain and you lay it down and say, God, it's yours. I know we know the rest of the story. Isn't that always the way it works with God? About the time we surrender and submit in our life to Him, He makes sure we have everything we need. That sounds like Bible to me. I don't know what that sounds like to you, but that sounds like good preaching right there that if we would just submit in this area of our life, God always comes through. He, he always comes through. He always comes through, but, but, but not until we fight it out at the altar. It is a spiritual battle. Everybody that wants to approach money as just this natural thing, can I tell you, you're never going to get a handle on it because this is a spiritual battle. 
It's a spiritual battle that manifests itself in the natural. And so we have to come to this place where we submit. A lot of us don't like the word submit, so let me submit another word for you for submit. How about surrender? Where we lay it all down. And we say, Jesus, this belongs to you. We must come to this place that we say to Jesus, whatever you say about money, even if I don't like it, goes and is the ruling voice in my life because you're my master and you're, oh wait a minute, we sang it over and over, your ways are better. I thought that was just a catchy song. I just thought, I thought it, it kind of rhymes in there. Maybe it just hit the chord progression. Maybe that's why they put, or it could be that we come to the place that that's a reality and we allow his ways to become better. So let me help you. I want to just give you a little test. Just a little. And then we're going to pray. I want you to discover whether Jesus or money has set up mastery in your life. I want to think about how you've recently thought about a problem in your life. Okay, I don't know what you're, what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. But I, I would suggest that most of us are probably going to fail this test because I know how we think. If you've ever been considering a problem in your life, and this is the first thing you thought. If I just had more money, then my problem would be solved. If somebody would just give me whatever it is, then my life would be complete. Pause. I want you to go back in the New Testament and think about every time that Jesus was presented with a need. He never stopped, not one time, and said, hey, I think what you need is some more money. Come on now, think about it. All the stuff that Jesus dealt with, I, ne I never read once where he goes, hold, hold, hold my horse. Let me get off my horse and just talk to you for a moment. You don't need anything but money. If you had a little bit more money, man, all your issues would be solved. No, every time he turns and he talks to them about stuff that only God can provide. And what I am saying to you this morning is if in your own mind, because I've had these conversations too, where in my own mind, my, my stuff rises up and I'm just like, wait a minute, if I just had more of this, then I could be happy. I could be satisfied. I could be content. I could be successful. I could be significant. I could be accepted. If I just had more of this stuff and Jesus is standing on the sideline saying at that very moment, right then, you just allowed that stuff to push me off the throne because if I was in charge, you recognize that I'm the source and I know what you need and only I can serve. So this is what I want you to do. We're going to help you next week. I just want to challenge you this week. Would you dig out your wallet? Oh, no. He's going to take up an offering to prove that Jesus is the master. No, I'm not. We're going to take up an offering at the end, but this has nothing to do with all. Would you get your wallet out? Come on, checkbook, whatever you got. Some of you dig. Some of you don't even carry wallets anymore because you might have a big one like I carry. I don't know why. I just like them bigger. Maybe your checkbook. Would you stand with me with that thing in your hand? This represents your stuff. Some of you just got cash. Maybe somebody better hold up your stinking cell phone because you do everything on your cell phone, including pay all your bills. I get it. I get it. Got it? All right, this is what I need you to do. You don't win this battle at the ATM. You don't even win this battle at a financial planner's office. 
Dave Ramsey cannot help you win this battle. His advice is awesome, but he can't help you win this battle. It's a mastery issue. And the only place you win this is an altar and say, God, I submit everything to you. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your stuff. And I want you to turn. And your chair is going to become an altar. And I want you to lay your stuff on the altar. And then I want you to turn and kneel. If you, if you physically can, kneel at the altar. And I just for we don't have a lot of time, but just for a few moments, could I just get you to battle through that Jesus, you're in control of everything in, in my life, including what's represented here. Come on, come on, would you do that? Would you find an altar this morning? And just for a few moments, would you just wrestle through the mastery issue in your life? Tame your money. Make your money mind this morning. Lord 
and I battle it out right here at this altar right now that my money will never be the thing I put my trust in. I will never trust my stuff more than I trust you. I will never let my money overrule what you say. Even if that means that everything I own, you ask for it, and I have to give it. And before I ever get to the bank, and before I ever make a purchase, before I ever sell anything, I take authority over my money, and I establish you, Jesus, on the throne of my life, and say, you're my king, you're my Lord, you're the boss. And every time my money tries to push you off the throne, I pray you'd hit him right in the face. Knock him off the throne. You have the rightful place. You are the rightful master in my life. And so I don't have to be afraid. And I don't have to live in fear. And so together this morning, Father, we declare this. Your way is better. God, I pray that as we walk out of this place today, that we will walk out as people that have surrendered and submitted to you in every area of our life so that when we start talking about how to train our money, our money will be tame enough to cooperate and to get in line. God, I know this is a real battle. I know there are people in this congregation and watching online right now that struggles with, they struggle with this and it really is a point of stress. But I pray that you would turn our hearts towards you because we want to serve you as our master, not our stuff. And I pray that instead of fear, you would invade their life from the throne room of their life with faith. And I pray that they would recognize that if they obey your word, what you say you will always come through I ask you to win this war in us today we ask this in Jesus name it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry to find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online visit www.passionchurch.tv remember You can't live without passion.